0: Hi, Jonathan Williams back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Buying, selling, renting or investing in property. We're going to have something that floats your boat and lights that candle of yours. You may hear in my voice that it's a slightly croaky Jonathan Williams. I'm your host of the Bricks and Mortar podcast and I'm gainfully trying to struggle through with this episode. We were out in the Skype last night. We had our Begley Brown Christmas party, and uh, it wasn't a late one. But I tell you what, we kicked the we kicked the ball pretty hard. I have to say, struggling a little bit, and disasters of disasters. I end up walking home only to realise that I've left my keys in the office. Disaster! I'm standing outside the front door at quarter to one. I realise everybody's asleep, so I try WhatsApping. Jen, I try texting her I then think "Mm, I'm going to have to ring her And then in order to get in I ended up ringing the doorbell She wasn't happy No, she was not happy So we woke up this morning And ended up trying to get the keys Couldn't get back into the office So I ended up having to go out to Bayliston On the bike To try and pick up a set of keys Uh, Got those and travelled back. An hour and a half on the bike with a stinking hangover. Oh my Lord, I tell you, you don't want to be doing that. My hands, my fingers, my toes, I thought they were just going to be falling off. Not an experience. I want to have to live again. We're nearing Christmas. We are about a week away from Christmas, so we'll, we'll bang out another show next week. Then we're into the new year, doesn't look as if we're going to kick off the new year with bricks and mortar mortgages limited, it looks as if that's dragging its heels, not that we're dragging our heels but it's the FCA appear to be dragging their heels, they've still not acknowledged my application for direct authorization And I'm going to see next week if I can rattle the cage down there And see if we can move that forward Some good news, you will recall last week I was talking about the Mastermind group That a chap by the name of Zylvanus Rubinas I think that's how we pronounce his name, Zylvanus Rubinas He's asked me to go on to the Mastermind I did my interview there a fortnight ago And lo and behold, I was sitting eating my Christmas dinner and we got the text through from him that I got through the cut. So the X factor of property seems to be moving forward and I'm on to uh, to boot camp. So boot camp's going to be coming up in January. We're going to meet all the other guys who are on the mastermind. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be a fair amount of education. I think we're going to be doing some deals together if it all works out. So interesting times. I'll keep you informed about that as we move forward. But listen, let's move forward. Let's talk to Ian McQueen. Ian McQueen, he's the interview I've got on. You're just going to be about to hear him. We went on probably for the best part of an hour. There's some absolute gold in there, I have to say to you. Ian McQueen, he had a cracking job at Weir's Pumps, big multinational. He joined there as a graduate on their graduate trainee scheme, went out to Azerbaijan and various other Locations and seemed to be having a whale of a time and then just fell out of love with working for a big multinational, jacked in his job, got into the property side of things. He talks to us about the highs, the lows, the strategy that he had and then the change of the strategy as things weren't working. It's a great, great story. And if you've got any ambitions to jack in the job, then... We talk long and hard about the pros and cons about doing that. And the other thing that we talk and we dive pretty deep on is the goal setting side of things. I think Ian is the poster child of goal setting. He is just all over that. And listen, that's probably the big takeaway from my interview with Ian McQueen is his goal setting and how he deals with the goal setting. And as you all know, goal setting is absolutely useless unless you're going to review your goals on a weekly basis. And that's where he just knocks it out in the park. Listen, here's Ian, here's myself. We're prattling away. not great with the technology. <laughs> There's nothing worse than either not having enough space or um, scrubbing interviews, but let's try not to do it. Uh, I was
1: the Chris, Chris Thorburn interview, something about yeah. my dig at you. Yeah, he that was, I I was awfully, rude, <laughs> awfully
0: rude. Awfully rude. I'd only done it the once, and I could have just kept stuma about the whole thing and nobody would have done the while. i done the <clears throat> So we'll, we'll, we'll kick off. Hopefully my uh, throat will hold up. Um, uh, I say... 40 minutes or so You can just um, Cut the throat (laughs) If Uh you're just getting better Hopefully that won't be the case So Jonathan Moyes Back again At the Bricks and Water podcast Good to have you on board again And I tell you Who we've got on board This afternoon For your delectation Is Ian McQueen Now Ian McQueen I probably met Ian Back at one of the Facebook groups And then you connected him With me And I was looking for Some people to come on and share their experiences. So I know that Ian's got a great story, so let's start off and, and introduce Ian. So Ian, how are you doing, you all right? You I'm thanks, well? thanks Jonathan. Thanks good, good, again. good, good. So background, before you get into the property game, tell me a little bit about what you did and then we'll we'll go on and talk about why you're doing what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. So so yeah, I'm, I'm actually a, a mechanical engineer okay. to, to trade. I am a chartered mechanical engineer, so I studied um, product Design Engineering at the University of Strathclyde a few years ago, okay. and went on to, to complete a graduate training program with the Weir Group, right. who I then worked for for the next 12 years. Okay. Um, great company to work for, took Good. us to um, lots of different places. Um, we worked out in Azerbaijan, Baku, for four and a half years. Okay. Um, so I ran a small service center out there, we'd employed about 26 Twenty-six people. And did there. you go out there for sort of six months at a time, or we based out there? So, so initially I went out for about six months. Right, and um, that was the plan. Um, I was on a kind of rotation basis. It was six weeks on, two weeks off. Right. Um, End up staying out there for four and a half years. So, wow. Um, and that was just be- because of the role. I mean, you single time.
0: single the time. Yeah. So yeah, actually, okay, yeah. So
1: I spent two years out there. Right. Two and a half years. Um, single out there and then I met my wife or my now wife Nikki and uh-huh. um, so Nikki's also from Scotland and um, she was out there working most people out there most expats work for BP so they were operating a lot of the, the assets out there right and Nikki was working for BP directly she was employed um, at their international school okay so I met Nikki out there kind of halfway through that period And then we spent another kind of two, two and a half years out there together. All right,
0: so you're a smart cookie, you've got letters after your name, you're working for a big multinational, you've probably got some great works pension in there, you're probably getting paid a good shilling to go out there. Um, Why did you decide, you know what, that's not for me? Was there a moment that you thought, was there a decision that you made? Tell me a little bit about why you just jacked that in.
1: So, I guess we, after Azerbaijan, we, we'd had enough. Azerbaijan was great, it was great fun, but it had a, a, a life, a shelf, a shelf, life. shelf life. yeah. Um, so after Azerbaijan, we, 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 we came back to Scotland. We, initially, we were going to go to Dubai, um, which was, would have been a great opportunity for us, but various things happened. We decided, no, you know, we wanted to start a family. We, we were engaged by that point. Right. Let's come back to Scotland. So we came back to Scotland... And I took on a role in, in research and development back at University of Strathclyde. So I went from a role where I'd been the main point of contact for BP. Mm-hmm. We were responsible for maintaining all the pumps in in the Caspian region. Um, some of those pumps are kind of production critical. Yeah, so you can imagine yeah, some of the, some of the platforms job. out there were capable of doing two hundred and fifty thousand barrels of oil a day. So. It, oil prices back then a hundred dollars a barrel if you yeah. end up with a production yeah, because yeah. of a pump and some of the pumps we were maintaining had the opportunity or had the capability to shut a platform yep. down. Yep. So well that
0: has a huge effect because they're talking about the forties field where they had to close that down and there was a change in the oil price as a result of mm-hmm. that. So
1: I mean huge pressure to be Massive, with. massive especially in reason like I mean they, they had you know sea has got hundreds of fields yeah. hundreds of platforms. In yeah. Azerbaijan they only had a handful mm-hmm. of pl- of platforms, but they were capable of doing, you know, two hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand barrels of oil. So uh-huh. it was a huge, you know, it was a huge deal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, t- touch wood, it, it was very rare that we would end up in a, a shutdown yeah, 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 yeah. position because you always had three pumps, or you usually had three pumps, uh-huh. and two were duty and one was a standby. Uh-huh. But even if you got to a case that you had the standby pump mm. running because you had another pump down, yeah. the platform still producing or still huge amounts of pressure because everyone started to get, get um, your yeah. feet, you know, the possibility of losing production. So you've come out of Weir,
0: you're you're back at university doing a research role, yeah. you've obviously come from a very high pressure role to maybe something that's maybe not as high pressure, not so time critical, um, and maybe you're not in charge as you much,
1: once, once were. Yeah. So. Yeah. no, Absolutely. I mean, for me and a, a lot, of, maybe some of the listeners will know me and, and I'm very, quite a practical hands-on guy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. running a service center, dealing with guys offshore, we were responsible for overhauling these pumps to come back to research and development, which is more theoretical. It's longer term projects. So projects yeah. were typically three, four years and could go on longer. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I ended up not enjoying my job as much. Um, By that point, we'd came back to Scotland, we'd bought a house in Bear's Den, which we renovated, so that kind of got my my appetite going for property again. Mm -hmm. Um, We had our first baby in 2013, and then we had Ollie, our second child, in 2015. Now, Ollie was born 11 weeks premature, Right. so 2015 was a fairly tough time for Mm -hmm. us. Um, We were in and out of hospital for eight weeks. The good thing about it was... We got Ollie home after eight weeks, which was still three weeks before his his due date, which was amazing. Yeah. Um. But I think that coupled with the fact I wasn't enjoying my job, at that point we had two rental flats. So, I bought a flat in 2002 with a friend when we were at uni. So we saved up enough to get a deposit for a a three bed tenant flat in Deniston. Okay. I think we paid about sixty thousand for it, just off the Alexander Parade. Yeah. Probably going for. Hundred and forty, hundred and fifty thousand 150,000 mm, now yeah. so I guess that was probably my first joint venture long mm-hmm. before I knew what a joint it's venture genial. was okay. so we'd we done this joint venture we bought a flat we renovated it in our third year at university which looking back was a bit crazy so did you um, stay in the property yes at the time Right. we had a room each and then once we got it renovated we rented the spare room out ok yeah after a wee while well, he decided he wanted out, he wanted to sell up, so I bought his share out, so New Denniston was a, a good area. Coming up, yeah. um, It was coming up, I think it had a long way to go, um, which in hindsight we were right. So I bought Michael out his share of the flat and rented the his room out. And you were still staying? Yeah, in I the was property. still staying there, okay. yeah. Um, then went away to work, kept a room on in place, uh-huh. rented rooms out to friends, and, and yep. that was how I kind of got involved in okay. the rental side of things. Um, before we went out to Azerbaijan, I bought a, a, a house in, in Alawa, just outside Stirling. So at that point, I was working in Alowa, um based in the service centre we had there. And I was going offshore. So I was going offshore all over the world. Yeah, yeah. I was a kind of newbie to that team at the time. So, right. you know, I tended to get sent in all the, all the jobs <laughs> that nobody else <laughs> <That's> wanted. <nice. laughs> so I ended up in deepest, darkest Russia, oh, Malaysia, all right. over the place. Um, Call so from bought, McHugh. Yeah, so I bought this house in Alawa, 2007, peak of property prices. Right, okay. Paid too much for it, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the time we went to go out to Azerbaijan, the property market had started to crash. It tumbled, yes. Um, I don't think it hit bottom by that point, but it started to tumble, so I was in negative equity. I couldn't do anything with the house, right. so I had to rent it out. So I probably became a kind of accidental landlord. Hmm. Um, but you know what? the the rental market's been strong, you know, mm. in, in over the last 12 years that I've been renting property. Yeah. I've never had a problem renting them out. Uh-huh. I've had a couple of problematic tenancies, but in, in overall it's, it's all went very well. Uh-huh. So, you've
0: so, got, so you've got skin in the game, you're not enjoying your job at, at Strathclyde, um, but you've got two kids, you've got one mortgage and then two buy-to-let mortgages. Surely the sensible option is to say, you know what, let's just keep doing this. Uh, maybe add a few more, yeah. and then the tipping point will come. But you decided not to do that.
1: No, you're you're right. You're right. So so at that point, I'm thinking right. I've got two properties. My strategy was to pay the the mortgages down, and at some point, I would have these two mortgage-free assets. Yes, yeah, almost mm-hmm. as a pension. Yeah, exactly. What okay. to do something with. So at that point I'm thinking, but I'd went from working as a field service engineer where I was earning good money, working out in Azerbaijan where we were earning good money yeah, tax-free yeah, yeah, yeah. to coming back to Scotland, start paying tax. My wife wasn't working because we had the kids. We had a big mortgage to pay now, two kids, and suddenly our disposable income had, had shrunk. So I thought, well, actually, if at any point I'm going to need money. It's now, it's not when I retire, hopefully. It's yeah, now. Yeah, I understand so that. I changed my strategy and I thought, right, rather than paying the mortgage down, let's start to, let's start to raise money and let's start Out to grow the, in the buy-to-let portfolio. Yeah. So I can remember sitting down my, a spreadsheet, thinking, right, how many would I need to have to replace my income? And I think at the time I thought, if I can get to 12, that would be enough income to say, right, I'm going to jack my job in. Right. And the next thing I'd done was I thought, Right, how did I get to twelve buy to let flats? And I remember, in my, you know, my thinking at that point was reinvest the money that I make from the flats and reinvest um, that into more flats. Yes, yeah. So yep. I think my initial calculation was like five or six years to get to twelve flats, and I thought that's a long time. So, mm-hmm. at that point, I started to.
0: And this is when this is you're still at the, the Strathclyde Uni, two thousand and. I mean,
1: what two thousand and. Fourteen, probably. 2015. 2015. Right, 2015. Okay. Um, so I started listening to podcasts, probably why I'm here today. Right. And I think probably the initial two that I started listening to was Rob Moore at Progressive Property and yes. Mike Stenhouse at um, Inside Property Investment. Uh-huh. Yep. And Mike, similar to what you do, he brings people in who... You know, I've done something interesting in the interviews them, yes. and I got a lot of inspiration from that. You know, cause at that point I was thinking, you know, can I add a few bite and Then I'm listening to people who have built up multi million pound portfolios from, from nothing because we've done, all got
0: to start it somewhere, somewhere, yeah. and that's with nothing. Yeah, um, and it's just how much you want to, you know, how much of an inspiration it is to be self sufficient and go out on your, on your own. And yeah, clearly that must have been a huge. Absolutely. Desire of yours to do? Absolutely, yeah. Okay.
1: So, I got to eight. I got to eight eight rental flats over between... Uh, over about a year, I brought in another six six flats. Right. Got to eight, and at that point, I really wasn't enjoying what I was doing at work. But that, you know, it continued to, to kind of get worse. Uh-huh. And I really... Much,
0: how much time was that taking? Your eight flats, did you... Rent you obviously rented those out did you use a rental agency or were you just doing I was that doing yourself? it all myself I was, I was well, that must have been a stress it though was, was it was crazy yeah, yeah. I And mean, I, was,
1: I, was, I was working my lunch breaks I was going to meet people in my lunch breaks I was going straight after uh-huh. work to do viewings I was working weekends, I was working nights a lot of the flats we brought on we, we renovated them as well so I was managing refurbishment, so it was so, crazy yeah was,
0: so you were working mm-hmm. at the uni and then you were working on the flats and you were probably there would be no time to do anything else that was no. probably just your life
1: yeah no absolutely
0: and then hindsight although that's probably got to a stage where you thought you know what I've got to do one of two things yep. and the thing that you decided to do was jacking the job yep. do you re- do in any way do you regret that and do you think you know what if I'd taken on an agency to look after those I could have possibly done both but if you were so hacked off at your job <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't regret it at all. Um, I, I, do, I do fear for you know, you see a lot of people coming into property and, and striving to become full time in property. And mm-hmm. actually, if I'd stayed at Weirs earning the big salary and continued to reinvest the money into flats, I could probably have grown the property business. Yeah. You know, certainly buy flat flats a bit quicker. But no, for me, because I wasn't enjoying the job so much, yes. it was the right thing to do. Um, yeah, it's probably slowed down our portfolio growth. Um, because now a lot of the money that we get from the flats is, is what we Live survive on. Yes, yes. Um, but no, it was the right thing for me to do um, You know, it, it, purely because I wasn't enjoying my job as much. But what I'd say is if you are thinking about going full-time in property, if any listeners are thinking about going full-time, if you're still enjoying your job, don't, don't do it too quickly. Uh-huh. Don't do it too quickly, definitely.
0: You, you meet, oh, certainly I've met a lot of people um, and one of the reasons why I'm doing the mortgages predominantly now is because I just got so fed up with the legal side of things. Um, and although I've not gone, and have no intention of going full-time in property, um, you know, I had a very good job um, in, the, in the law. I could have left that particular firm and got another job, but I just thought to myself, you know what, I've got this opportunity, I'm now forty seven, forty eight. If I don't decide to do something different... I'll end up never doing that. And that's the last thing I wanted was to have that regret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for you, it was very much, you just hated your job s- mm-hmm. to such an extent that, y- that you thought, you know what, the side hustles that I've been doing, I can make that work. Yeah, yeah. And what did your mm-hmm. wife say?
1: Yeah, she was, she was supportive. She was supportive. She was behind me she Is that politically
0: correct supportive? <laughs> <laughs> or is that really a proper supportive? <laughs> no,
1: she was. No, oh, she was, definitely. Um, I mean, Did she could she, she see what we'd done. She, she's seen yes. that we had a track record. She knew what I was. She knew that I'd renovated her own house with, you know, we'd renovated flats, we'd maintained mm-hmm. the flats throughout mm-hmm. time. So she knew that I could do it. Um, and as well, you know, a lot of my background in years although it was completely different, process was the same Project so we managing. were refurbishing yeah. large industrial pumps the, the guys that we were using for the refurbishments the guys in the workshop the guys offshore it's the same guys that we get to renovate the flats uh-huh. so, so no she, she was behind us
0: and she did was, she look at the numbers or did she just say um, what do you want to do oh, you want to do this is it going to work and you say, yes, it's going to work, and that's it? Or did she say, well, that's all very well, <laughs> but you know what, I'd rather just see the numbers, because I want to make sure that there is going to be some food on the table at the end of the month.
1: Yeah, Nikki didn't. No, 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 Nicky didn't. Nikki's not, um, not really into the numbers. No. So I can I see, sta- see why somebody would want to do uh-huh. that. And at him. any stage, uh-huh.
0: did you think, oh, my good God, what have I done?
1: There's, there's been a couple of times, yeah. Okay. There's been a couple of times. I think probably what I failed to realise is that when you're out in business yourself, you're not getting that big paycheck at the end of the month. No. So there's What a big, stops with you? There's a big piece in just knowing where you are financially. Mm-hmm. But also, so what we do now is, um, the business we set up, we, we kind of specialise in managing complete refurbishments, both our own flips, but also for other landlords and investors. Yes. When we're doing that... Y- you know, we'll, we'll typically do it in kind of stage payment basis. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a third up front, a third during, during the middle, and then a third up the end. But the yeah. third up the end is your profit, so you're not really getting paid or remunerated until the very end. Yes, a yes. project can be you know anything from kind of six eight weeks, but it's a full refurbishment. So, so yeah, I maybe hadn't thought about the, the implications of the cash flow and just when money would come in, and uh-huh. also knowing just where you are financially. And cash
0: flow with the business side of things is absolutely king because if you haven't got money coming in then it's very, very difficult. Very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so you're 2014, 2015. You decide, you're just about to hit the button with regards to um, stopping gainful employment. Um, And what was your business plan? What was your strategy and and has that strategy changed mm-hmm. since you, you you started?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, the idea I had initially was to offer complete refurbishment or complete maintenance solutions to homeowners in and around Bears Den. So, we would come in, we would do a kind of home inspection, we would then mm-hmm. offer maintenance contracts. Everything from, can I come and cut your grass to, we'll, we'll do everything for you. Right. And, you know, all centred around this yearly home inspection. Okay. So we'd go out, we'd check the roof, we'd, you know, and, and almost do a small survey and then we'd make any recommendations. But as well as that, we could maintain the gardens and mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. That yeah. They, they, they and want this was on
0: any property, this wasn't specifically... Um, we hadn't specifically identified buy to lets; it was just a no, property and I think business.
1: Was, I think our idea at the time was this would be kind of homeowners and around, beards, okay. people with a bit more disposable income who yeah. can maybe pay for that service. So that's what we kind of started to push it first. And well, it was based my lack of marketing experience or what, but we didn't get much feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, we were conscious that we had to earn money; yeah. we had to bring money in. And at the same time, we had we had been in a a proper training course I'd been to network meetings so I'd quite a big network mm-hmm. of other landlords and investors and people started to come to me they were seeing that I was doing more refurbishments they were seeing that we're starting to do their own flips people come to me saying would you manage this for, for me so I've seen an opportunity there Right. you know there's there's a lot of people going in these proper education courses now they're coming out and um, they are working full time as I was Mm -hmm. Um, they're not looking to take on the management of the refurbishments I've seen an opportunity there to really help and support these people and that's probably how we ended up down the path of doing refurbishments for other people right
0: so it's morphed into that Yeah. so what kind of marketing did you do at the start to try and for the first iteration of the company Mm -hmm. what marketing did, did you do
1: um Pretty limited to be honest. We got some flyers made up, yeah. And um, we, we distributed those around Um. kind of Bear's Den. We we, we built a Facebook page, we started to do some, some social media campaigns. Uh-huh. Um. we've probably but, done a, a, an elf on the shelf campaign last year. So, oh the little, right, little, little, little elf that you see run around people's houses, yeah. We had them out doing different kind of home maintenance, okay. Um, work. And we just weren't getting anything back. Um,
0: and 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 how galling is that? I mean, I've I started with, with Begley Brown and doing the mortgages and we do marketing and if you've not got any understanding of marketing and no experience and you haven't been trained it is quite galling when what you think doesn't work but you think well why that should work and then you actually start delving a little bit deeper and as far as flyers are concerned it's not that you just do one set of flyers you've got to do flyers every week for like 12 months yep. and then even then it's such a small percentage that you think goodness gracious had I known that I wouldn't have even bothered myself yeah. um, and then with the, the social media you just think everybody's over social media so all you need to do is a website and, and off you go but it's not it's hard work marketing yeah. is hard work
1: yeah. yeah and I think you know in terms of managing projects that's been the easy part for us you know yes. because I've done that for the well, last 12 yes, years absolutely in you know, different forms yes. but for me, I, I just thought marketing—we should get a flyer made up or a brochure made up, and you send it uh-huh. out. And there's so much more to it yeah, than yeah. you think. You know, the, the, I remember going in a, a business gateway training course, kind of at the start, and and you know the, the girl said, "Who's who's your target? Your target market? And I, is it male or female?" And I, I kind of you know kind of laughed at myself because well, it's, it's guys, of course, it is. it's guys that that will be responsible for the maintenance. And then all the girls in the room say, "No, you've got it totally wrong." Mm. It's in, in most households, the guys out working, mm-hmm. you know, especially your target audience, it's probably you know families. They're not got a lot of time, so they're looking for these services. Yeah, your target audience is probably females because yeah. most of them will be organising the maintenance around the house. Uh-huh. So I, I think I probably got a lot wrong at the start. I've learned a lot. The rest, yeah. you're right. There's a lot more to market. But house. it's drilling
0: down and finding what that target market is, mm-hmm. and having the confidence to know that as long as you continue to bombard them, then it, it will work. It's where you do something like flyers um, and you've got what you think is a target market and then suddenly that doesn't work and then suddenly your target market is wider and wider and wider, which is the wrong, yeah, the wrong thing. thing. You just yeah. need to drill down and drill down and drill down. Yeah. Um, and test, that's what they also say, is that you need to continue to test. So every time you put a marketing campaign out, you have to test that, and if it doesn't work, well, that's it. Give it a certain time, give it a certain amount of money. But if it doesn't work, that's it. Move on mm-hmm. to the next one.
1: I think they say that each to, is it something like five touch points before before you might be in, in the chance of getting a sale? So somebody yes. needs to have seen your name sort of five times. Yes. So you said to fly around once, it's put in the bin. Because uh-huh. if you kind of keep repeating that and they see the name over and over again, yes. and there's a point where they say, ah, okay, we're struggling to keep the, the, the house maintained. Uh-huh you know, what what can we do here? Oh, there's that McQueen property solutions. Let's let's go back and have a look at that flyer. So, yeah. So your company then morphed
0: into this more, um, assisting those who are wanting to, in in essence, a project managed role, um, in helping people flip properties. And how did people find out about you? then? Did, did you go to all these, were you on Facebook forums or, I mean, how did you get your word out? Say, listen, this is what I do.
1: So, I guess we've had some repeat business. we've had some you know sort of referrals, so mm-hmm. you know we we went I went on the the l g property Protégé course last yeah. year, yeah, and i think there was i think there was maybe about ten of us on the course, but mm-hmm. within the actual kind of ALG group there was a lot more people so so that kind of grew my network quite quickly, so I got a lot of business through that, and I got some referrals from people that had been on that yeah and um, I, I also um, uh, quite often go in the spin group, Scottish property investors network. Yeah, know you're part of, that. of Jonathan. Yep, yep. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll put some stuff up there now and then. Some of that, a few leads through that. Mm-hmm. So most of my most of my um, business over the last year has came from just within my network and within the, the spin group. Just people kind of getting reaching out through that.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and have you been able to grow the buy to let portfolio? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so we've
1: added another we've added another couple on this year, um, so that's up to 10. Good. Um, Obviously, setting up the business has given us a few challenges, so we're very limited on mortgage borrowing at the moment, which is yep. another thing, if anyone's thinking about going full-time property, just be aware that when you're self-employed, a lot of the lenders won't, won't look at you. Yeah. So, it's so we are limited at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of our eggs are in the, the TMW basket at the moment. Yes. Um, Maxed out on BM products, so but yeah, we've managed to add two on this year, yeah. Um, and we'll add a couple more on next year. But I, I don't have aspirations to grow a huge portfolio, you know. I'm mm-hmm. not one of these people that's looking to, to buy hundreds of flats. I think if yeah. we get to 15 maybe 20 flats over the next few years we're not putting a timeline in that because that's not our main focus now and are
0: um, you trying to pay down those or are you just purely (laughs) using interest only just to create an income for you
1: at the moment it's interest only just to create an income but as we start to establish ourselves or establish the business and other streams of income then I very much will start to, to pay down those mortgages
0: It's interesting what you say about the mortgage side of things because that is an issue for a lot of the the first timers. I mean, once they have uh, left gainful employment, then you know your buy to let pool, so to speak, is so much more reduced. And then, once in your circumstances, once you start being classified as a portfolio landlord, i.e., have four properties, then even BM is a problem because BM are now saying that you have to have a minimum income of £30,000. So I can see when you said TMW, the mortgage works, which is the Nationwide Building Society by let Arm, that seems to be a home for so many because they're not necessarily interested in your income, they're interested in your experience and more and more are being pushed in, in that direction. So so that's interesting. I mean, it is a Difficult. I mean, I myself um, you know, appear on on spin, and, and clearly, I've got the podcast out there, and, and we do a lot of work for buy-to-let investors. Um, and there is this view, I think, that if you go to the high street banks, the high street, they just won't want to know you, and that's to a certain extent correct. Um, and it's it's brokers that you need to to go to just to make sure that you get uh, are able to get a, a deal so that's interesting then so you've got 10 but you're you're not really looking to expand those too much at the moment
1: yeah I think we'll, we'll, we'll add a couple more next year um, there's maybe a couple on there that are a wee bit further afield that mm-hmm. we're looking to, to move on yeah it's um, so the one in Alaba we'll probably look to move on next year we've got one out in Livingston that maybe at some point we'll move on and, and consolidate that closer to home yeah um, but yeah I, th- I think maybe we've got up to 12 next year but it'll be as and when good deals come along now. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not saying right, next month I want to add a, another buy to let uh-huh, from uh-huh. now on it'll just be as and when kind of good yeah. deals come up yeah. um,
0: So if I was wanting to instruct you then to do a flip then we would have an initial discussion um, I would then show you my project um, if I was completely green you would then say well listen I would suggest you do this that and and, and this um, but if I said well I want to do this and don't want any input from you 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 would be prepared to take on both of those types of, of job
1: yeah definitely uh, absolutely I mean a lot of people a lot of people we work with do take on the advice. Yes. And I think there's, there's two I think daft not to. There's two there's two types of customers. There's the more experienced ones mm-hmm. um, who who kinda of want they don't want a huge amount of involvement with it. So they'll normally kinda of hand me the keys and say, go and provide a quote. Yes. And I'll go in and I'll say i I'll know what they're trying to do with it. Uh-huh. Know, whether it's adding you know if they're trying to flip it on or and who their target market might be or if it's a buy to let who their kind of target market might be for that, so I don't know yes. what they're trying to achieve. But I'll go in and I'll I'll, I'll make a proposal mm-hmm. based on what I think, yep. and then there'll be a wee bit, maybe a wee bit of to and fro. They'll say, oh no, we don't want, you know, we, we don't want that. You know, we don't maybe do want a vinyl floor. We want to go for the, you know, the the kind of laminate, um, vinyl laminate, uh-huh. Uh-huh. or whatever it might be. There's some some to and fro, and or, or actually, we maybe want some some colour in the hallway or something. So, the other is the, kind of, you being an investor, someone's looking to get a bit of staff, they maybe have got a bit more time, mm-hmm. so they maybe want to put a wee bit more into the design. They'll come to me and they'll say, All right, we want to do this, and we'll do that. In which case, that's fine, but quite often I'll say, well, I maybe wouldn't do that. Don't Here's why. You, know, it. you know, I think Somebody recently came to me, and I've not seen the property yet, but they're saying, no, we well, we want to do this, and we want to do that. What's your thoughts on that? And one of the things we want to do is tile the bathroom floor and I'm saying, you know, if it was a high-end West End flat, maybe, but for where your flat is, I would probably just go for vinyl, because two things, any movement, you end up with cracking the tiles, uh-huh. if it's the awesome. tenant drops something in the tiles, they end up cracking as well, Yeah. and it's going to be a lot more expensive than just a bit of vinyl, and some of the vinyls now, they're good quality, they're, yeah. they're a lot cheaper, yeah. and they look good. Uh-huh. Yeah, they look Absolutely. Good. So, yeah, it, 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 we do give advice as well as but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's the client's project. Mm. So if they want to go with something, then fine. Yeah, That's up yeah. to them.
0: And it's, so, what you're doing, I guess, is you're taking away the hassle factor. Um, you're, you're, um, the, the person who's paying you then doesn't, ha- doesn't have to put in that time. Um, and it should be relatively cost effective for them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we do is. Um, well, first and foremost, we've obviously got trade accounts with all the major suppliers. Mm-hmm. We also got, you know, good relationships with a lot of trades, a lot yeah. of contractors. We get um, sort of preferential rates. But one of the ways we kind of keep the cost down is we'll try and use um, general labourers for the kind of strip out. Um, you know stripping wallpaper and all that sort of stuff yeah and, and that kind of keeps the cost down a wee bit because obviously there is a bit extra cost because we are managing it mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but i think overall it doesn't work out too much more expensive but yeah a lot of investors like the fact that they can hand us the keys and we can kind of do everything yeah um, and yeah. to the extent that if they're going to rent it out we can do the um you know the heats and smokes we can do the they get a safety check for them. We can provide them with an EICR, the Legionella's assessment, all that good stuff as well. So when we hand the keys back to them, it's ready for them to put it. They're on all market. good to go. Yeah,
0: interesting. Now you mentioned the ALG and the the property education side of things. Have you been to any other education other than the the ALG, or was it the ALG that you you went with, and why did you decide to go with
1: them? No, that that's the only one that I've I've, I've been on. Um, and why did I go with them I guess you know through listening to the podcasts after you know kind of listening to the progressive property and then say property investing stuff I started listening to, to kind of Paul and Billy and, you know I liked, uh, I liked um, the fact that they were Scottish you could relate to them mm-hmm. um, met up with Paul um, I, I, I liked their approach so so that was kind of why I went on the the ALG course but I've not been in any others um, that, that's the only one I've been okay. on
0: and what was the most important thing that you learned from the course? Was think, there one particular thing
1: i think there there's, there's yeah, in terms of learning, mm-hmm. I think the big takeaway for me was around the the kind of mindset and the, the kind of productivity hacks you know those kind of skills because right. the, the good thing about the L g course is it's not just about property you know they do cover you know marketing and um, Mindset and all that good stuff, and yeah, and you know, in, in terms of increasing your own capacity, that's just as important as 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 anything else. So for me, I think that that was a big takeaway, um, and um, as well as that, the other benefit of it was just kind of growing your network. You mm-hmm. know, in, in terms mm-hmm. of what I invested in the course, I've made that back multiple times over yeah. just through yeah. the through the business we've had in the last year.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, and then growing your network. How have you gone about doing that? Was there any strategy that you used for growing the network, or
1: um, not really? Um, I guess I've, I've been out to a few networking events. I've been to, you know, the BSD property networking event. I've been to some of the the LG ones in the past. I've, I've been to Progressive. Um, they're all good mm-hmm. um, spin, you know I, I connect with people and spin either people who are posting something that's of interest to yeah. me and vice versa people connect with me after I've, I've uh-huh. posted stuff um, one of the things I do now which, is, which i which found has worked quite well is actually on a Friday morning um, <coughs> I, I try and get up here I try and get up at 5 o'clock every morning but on a Friday morning what I do is I get up and I leave the house um, and I go down to the retail park at Trim Chapel mm-hmm. First of all, I'll go to McDonald's because that's the only one that's open at that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. I'll grab myself a coffee and I'll read my book for an hour because I, I like to read, but I find that I don't read enough. So okay. that's, that's time to go away and get out of the office and, and sit and read a book. And then what I do is I'll try and then book meetings afterwards. Right. It doesn't always work out, but it does. And it gives me that focus to know that every Friday morning I am going to have these two slots to try and meet people and then it, it kind of forces me to think about right who am I going to meet this week. So so I met quite a few people down there over the last over the last few weeks, and that's that's worked really well for me. So but yeah, it's not really built around any formal strategy. It's just
0: okay. You know, what I do. So interesting to see there that you get up at five o'clock in the morning, and have you got a routine that you like to stick to? Because I'm quite interested in in that.
1: Yeah. So so I get up in the morning. You know, I'll go down, wash my face, brush my teeth, uh-huh. go and make a pot of coffee, yep. and I'll walk to, up, up to my office. Um, the first thing I do is, you have know, got a, kind of a vision board, it's actually kind of a slide deck that I run through, and it's just, you know, what am I trying to achieve, what's my goal, so I'll run through that for okay. a and, couple of minutes. And and is and, that,
0: so you've got the vision board there, uh, which I presume is some sort of whiteboard, or, or and is that weekly goals, or... Is um, there a monthly goals behind that and yearly goals?
1: So I do have, I do have kind of five year goals, one year goals. The the vision board, I'm not sure I've nailed the vision board yet. If I'm honest, okay. Um, but it's really just a set of slides with things that I want to. It has got my kind of um, high level goals for the next year, right? Um, and then it's just got things that that I kind of want to be thinking about as well. So. Um, you know where I want to go where I want to be so mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've nailed it yet but I think it does work and yeah. you just sitting down refreshing that what am I trying to do oh yeah right and what the benefit I see from it is so one of our goals for next year is to is to try and do 12 of our own developments 12 flips next year right the challenge from the moment is sourcing the property so just sitting down and looking at those goals each morning it just refreshes your memory about what the kind of big-ticket things are that you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I do find it quite useful. So have you
0: written down all of your goals, or are they just in your noggin? Yeah,
1: no, I've, I've, got, I've got them written down. Right, I've okay. I've got them written down. I've got my five-year plans are probably a wee bit sketchy, probably need a wee bit more development at the moment, but I've got quite a clear, or I did have quite a clear one-year plan. I'm about to refresh it for right. 2018. So if you've
0: got your one-year plan, how do you then go about putting things in place to ensure that you achieve those goals in that in that one year. Is there yeah. anything specifically that you do
1: well I take the one year plan and I then set kind of twelve week objectives. So i right. okay. look twelve weeks ahead and I'll set objectives for those twelve weeks and I'll have them written down as well. Right. And then every week I'll review those. So then usually over the weekend I will review the past week first of all, say uh-huh. how have I done what, was, what goals did I set for last week How yeah, have I done yeah. against those what what went well what didn't go so well uh-huh. and what do I need to do differently next week to overcome that and then I'll sit down and I'll plan for my next week so I'll run through the 12 week plan I'll say right what do I need to be doing this week yeah. to achieve yeah. my 12 week goals and then obviously that rolls up to your one year plan and I'll then set goals for each day so every day I've got a goal and I've up in the morning after I've looked at my visualisation board I'll spend five minutes pulling together a plan for the day and I've got a wee template for that. And one of the things is right, what's my big weekly goal? Do I need to be doing anything to achieve that? Yeah. And what's my big daily goal for today? Right, how do I go about achieving that? I find that quite useful. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You are the poster child for goal setting, and well, that's fantastic. <laughs> I try and I try and do something similar. Um, and I'll show you when, when we finish the interview, I'll show you my sort of vision board that I've got. Um, and what I try and do is I don't know if you've heard the book The One Thing Um, so The One Thing is very much similar to yours you've got your five year goals you've then got your yearly goals and then what they do is they break down the yearly goals to monthly goals and then to weekly goals and there's something called a 411 so they will then choose between you've got personal goals and business goals and you'd only maybe choose four or five personal and business goals per week and then prioritise those. So even if you could only do one, what is the one thing that would then, by doing that, would then move you forward with your monthly goals, which would eventually move you forward with your, your um, yearly goals? But what I thought was great from what you were saying there is you kept going on about reviewing, because there's no point in setting goals without reviewing Absolutely no point at all. And and you are talking a great game. And do you religiously do that. Have you set time aside at the weekend to yeah, do no, that? Yeah,
1: I'm very good at that. I wouldn't say I always achieve my goals, but I but always reviews do always, sit always down happen. There. I do find a review. I do find the review. There's been a couple of weeks where we've stuff on the weekend. Yeah, and maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe kind of brushed over it on a Sunday night. But I Always try and at least sit down, even if you know, even if we've been away for the weekend uh-huh. and I don't have much time. I'll, I'll still try and sit down, even just for half That's an hour brilliant. to review it and then maybe do my planning on the Monday morning. And have um, you always
0: done that, even when you were at Weir's?
1: No, no. So I think this, this is probably some, a big takeaway from being in the course. Was yeah. This, you know, do you think, think, had you
0: been at Weir's and at the university, that would have helped?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Quite often I look back now and uh-huh. you know, i phone only had done what I do now. Yeah. I, I would have looked at things completely differently.
0: So this is the one thing I wanted to ask, and I've not asked many of my interviews this, that it if you're sitting here what you know now and you are talking to yourself a younger self 5, 10, 50 years ago what was the one thing that you would tell your younger self listen, do that because I didn't do that had I done that
1: you know, it, it might have turned out differently create a plan create a plan but go and take some time I'm out so and think about it uh-huh. and you know, what? lots of people told me this, you know, lots of more senior guys always kinda gave me some feedback, you know, you need to create a plan and and I think where uh and I tried, I did try when I was working, I think where I went wrong was I always kinda felt as if I should be building the plan around what I was doing at work at that time. Right. You know, so if I was in not a room going into doing, the future not saying what do I really want to do? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. maybe saying, right, I'm in this operational role, what's the next step for me? What's mm-hmm. the next logical step? What would be to come the operations director or something like how do I get there instead of saying what do I really want to do yes okay I want to be running one of the I want to be running a business right because that, that, that's always been a goal for me to run my own business uh-huh. but I actually I could have done that at Weir's. you know yes. I could have said to myself I want to be running one of our businesses uh-huh. okay uh-huh. I was running a service centre out in, in Baku but I wasn't you know, fully responsible for running that part of the business. Yeah. I was running the day to day, running the service centre. But I think if I'd really sat down and been realistic myself, said I want to run a business, what do I now need to do? And it's about having an end an end goal uh-huh. and then building back from there and saying, How did I get from where I am today to, to being that person yeah. to, to having that role But you you
0: have to have that sort of forty thousand foot po- foot level mm-hmm to to come up with that, and sometimes when you're just at university and you're just plodding along in your job, it you just it's quite sometimes difficult I think to see a sort of forty thousand foot foot level, and it's only when you're you're sitting here fifteen twenty years later that you think I now know what my forty thousand. So maybe it, it's maybe you're lucky that if you do have that forty thousand foot. View mm-hmm. earlier on then you can make those appropriate changes yep. but for mm-hmm. a lot of us we sit where we are at 45 to 50 and thinking if, if only I'd done that but I completely agree with you that goal setting and the reviewing yep. is something that yep. I, I think and I've only done that for maybe 12 months 18 months and it's made a huge difference it's got that you become more focused on what you're wanting to achieve, and a lot of the other peripheral stuff. You think, well, that's not driving me forward. That's not my big rocks. I guess it's that thing about eighty twenty, isn't it? That you have to identify the twenty percent of things that are giving you the eighty percent of the produce, yep. um, and it's identifying the big rocks. Yep. But again, that takes that takes time, and you have got to sit back, which goes then goes back to the, rev- the review side yep. of things.
1: Yeah, I mean, an interesting book at the moment. Um, I read uh, David Allen, Getting Things Done. That's yes. a great, great G-T-D. book. Yep, and that's one down. around this, this kind of system. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm reading one at the moment, The Productivity Ninja. I can't remember who, who who that's by. But, you know, it's one of his concepts is, you know, your, your to-do list. You're never, ever, ever going to get through your to-do list. You're Correct. always going to have so much to uh-huh. do. So it's not about, you know it's not about scheduling what needs to be done it's about scheduling the priorities yes. getting the important stuff yeah, done yeah. And, and that's so true because you know
0: and that takes time though to identify I mean to do lists is dead easy because you just regurgitate what's in your head mm-hmm. but then what you've got to do is prioritise that but prioritise that in a way that is going to allow you to achieve the, the goals yeah. so you,
1: you need to have the, the overall goal yeah, where yeah. you're trying to head and then you, you know what your priorities are so you know what you need to do to get there. Absolutely. So I think it's about having that vision of where you want to go is, is the yeah. starting block. Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Um, but from what you were saying, the old lags that, that Weirs told you <laughs> that. <told you about. laughs> yeah. um, mentors, let's talk mentors. Um, anybody at Weirs that, you know, took you aside and said, did they have a mentor program at Weirs?
1: Yes. So, um... I was on the, the MPDS scheme, which is Monitored Professional Development Scheme, which is the route to get chartered with the Institute of Mechanical Engineers. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. part of that, you need to have a mentor. Right. Um, and so I had a mentor through that. Um, also, your, your kind of wine manager, so they had a PDP, Personal Development Process. So every year or six months, you sat down and you'd have a review with, with your kind of line manager at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we had the mentor through that. In fact, I'm actually now, I'm still connected with Weir so I'm actually mentoring one of the, the younger engineers who's coming through the MPDS scheme now, and I'm okay. to continue doing that. Okay. So, I think, for me, I think mentors is it's much about you being mentored as, as who else you can help. Yes, so, yes. you know, you're, there's always going to be somebody further ahead than you are that you can learn from, but yes. vice versa, there's always somebody... Further behind or further you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. that you can that you can help as well. well
0: that's that's the, what is it? The Buddhist phrase. It yeah. this: one teaches, but two learn," mm-hmm. which I think is a great thing. Yeah. That you know, if yeah. you are prepared to to go out and teach, then you're always going to get something from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So yeah. you've and and they asked you to do that then, did you, or is that something that you approached them to do?
1: Yeah. Well, I was doing it before I left. We are right. So I okay. Already starting the... To become chartered, you need to do a minimum of four years. It's a f- at least a four year program. Uh-huh. So take longer. So Peter was was only, I think when I left, we'd been working together for about a year. So he still had mm-hmm. maybe a two years. I think it was at the end of his second year, so yeah. had two years to go. And I thought, well, you know, I had the benefit of a mentor. Um, I didn't. I was quite happy to, you know, I enjoyed working with Weir for the most part of it. So I was keen to continue working yes. with them at yes. some level. So I agreed to continue to continue doing it for uh-huh. the next couple of years.
0: That's great, and the thing about mentoring is that if you've been mentored, you're almost—I'm going to use the word obligated, but that's wrong. You want to go and help somebody, yep. which is which is great, and then into the property side of things. Anybody mentoring you there, or somebody you 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 always go to and say, you know, what I'm thinking about this. What do you think?
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, I think you know, I think what's worth bearing in mind that doesn't. need there's lots of people who can be your mentor it doesn't need to necessarily be somebody you sit down with within the industry yes, there's lots okay. of successful people have written books and autobiographies that if you read their books in theory that's a mentor isn't it mm. you're learning from their experiences but but no I I, um, I actually I don't know if you've heard of the um, Business Mentoring Scotland mm, so, you no know I haven't um, I'm going to write that down it's a partnership between the Scottish Chamber of Commerce and Business Gateway yep and um. If you are already in business, and if you're already turning over a certain amount, and if you have plans to grow your business by a certain amount Mm -hmm. over the next few years, you can be eligible for this mentoring service. And it's free, it doesn't cost any money. So actually, there's a lot of people who have been successful in business who now um, are given something back Mm -hmm. by providing this mentoring service. So how it works is if you're eligible, you meet with somebody from Business Mentoring Scotland. They sit down with you, they they get to know your business, they get to know your current challenges, and then they'll say, right, they'll go away and they'll say, they'll come back and say, well, Here's three guys who are on the mentoring program um, who we think would be a good fit a benefit to your business, right. whether that's because they've got experience in something that you've got a particular challenge with, or mm-hmm. whether it's because they've gone down a path similar to yours. Yeah. So they come back to me with three CVs of guys that have all been extremely successful in business. Summoned, uh-huh. You know, done property development. Some had um, built businesses up in the, in amongst property. Yeah. And the guy that I'm now working with, um, who's who's now my mentor, has recently sold his business. So, so he had established a business, property um, preservation business. At the time of sale, I think it was turning over over five million pound a year. had right. Eighty employees. He built a successful business. He uh-huh. retired. And he was now I think he's, he's working with a few different people so right so I meet with him on a regular basis and the, the way that's kind of set up is it's not they're not there to kind of provide you with advice or, or guidance they're not there to tell you how to run your business mm-hmm. but they're there to kind of help you think through your challenges so yes. you sit down and he'll ask me you know what so what's happening what's your biggest challenges at the moment? And I'll start to talk through them, and they'll maybe give me just kind of pointers or things to think about. And that, it's really useful. So absolutely, that
0: he will have had, no doubt, through his 20, 30, however many long years he's had building up his businesses. Yep. That's brilliant. So that's called Business Mentoring Scotland. Yep. Yep. Okay, I'll look into that. That's really interesting. Um, we touched on sourcing. I know you want to do your flips. Yep. Um, how difficult is sourcing?
1: it's a good question um, you know I, I, it's certainly not easy mm. but at the same time it's not difficult and I maybe contradicting myself a wee bit here okay. but I find that at certain times I find it easy to go and find a deal it's, it, and I have no problem you know finding mm. the next deal there's other times where I maybe went a couple of months where I've been out doing viewings, I've been putting offers in and I've just not been getting anywhere. Yeah. And I think in hindsight, when I look back in the flight now, I think the times that I've had the most success is when I've had a very, or I've been very clear on what my criteria is and I've maybe had a slightly narrower search area. So i maybe said, right, I'm going to go and buy a buy to let flat. Um, you know, it's got to, I probably want something around the £60,000 mark. I want it to be within a three mile radius of my home let's go and get something and I find that and then go and study the area it's narrow enough that you can get really you know you can you can get you know you can become an expert yes you know you get to know the, the area inside uh-huh. out uh-huh. and, and then you know you, you, as soon as the deal comes up you know it's a deal and you can go for it where I've probably found it a wee bit more difficult is if of have if I've maybe been looking for, I've not been so clear in my, my criteria, I've maybe been looking for a buy to flip yes. um, in a wider area. I've maybe been looking for the buy to flip within the three mile radius of my house. Uh-huh. I've maybe been thinking, right, I want to get to know a few different areas a bit better. So I've been having a look there and I just cast too wide a an net uh-huh. uh-huh. and I don't get anywhere.
0: Well, listen, that's where we're talking at the when we started the conversation about the marketing about drilling down and being absolutely focused on yeah. what your goal is. And that's yeah. clearly what you, you're saying yeah. there, that yeah. it's you find it easier in sourcing when you have been really specific yeah. as to what you're looking for. Wow, wow that's, that's quite interesting. Um, and then do you have any particular tips um, on how to go about sourcing, you know, the low market value deals is the... the Uh, is the buzzword that that people use Um, you know the LG talk about the 35% don't touch anything and it's like 35% below market value Um, you know to find that kind of deal to me that's like hen's teeth but you know I'm not in the sourcing business so um, I may be just I'm talking from outside but to me that seems awfully awfully difficult to be able to do that
1: no i think it is i think those deals do exist uh-huh. they do exist but they're few and far between from yeah from my experience yeah and and maybe the the guys that are out there spending thousands of pounds on marketing you know kind of direct to vendor you know they're, they're probably finding more of the deals mm-hmm. personally i think i probably came across once so we got one recently up in the toker which um <clears throat> we got before it hit the market so we was probably just being in the right place at the right time and having a good relationship with the estate agent yeah so out of a flat they talked about a property they were bringing on the market later in the week and they needed a quick sale on it mm-hmm. it's in a street that i'd been watching because i'd been watching another property on that street mm-hmm. um, and i went to view it on friday it was going to go in the market on the monday they're going to give me a viewing on the friday yeah and um, in value this is probably 85 in walk-in condition enough it did need a bit of work um, at home reported at 65 which was probably about right in yeah. fact I think it was probably a wee bit low for what I think it was probably could have been valued a bit higher Okay. but it was a good thing for me Right. Um, that'll, be a, seller, that'll, be
0: a, that'll be a first from an estate city <laughs> trying to undervalue a property yeah. before it goes onto yeah. the market but,
1: yeah we was seeing properties I think they kind of they specialise in a fast sale yes. don't they okay. so we property. Yeah. properties so so um <clears throat> and they told me look, we think it's so one point six five six five guys looking for a quick sale, probably going to take mid fifties for it. Mm-hmm. So I went and viewed it on a Friday night and I knew it was I knew it was a deal straight away. Yeah. Um there was a, a, a couple of other investors out viewing at the same time, so I knew I needed to move quickly. So I went in banged an offer of fifty thousand cash in and, and got it. Yeah. Um I'm not sure how much below market value that is, but it was a good deal. Um, but you've done your few and far between. You know, yeah. it's about being in the right place at the right time. You've done
0: your numbers, uh-huh. um, and that's the most important <coughs> thing: is to do your due diligence yeah. because it doesn't necessarily, I guess, ne- need to be thirty five percent below market value. If you can add value in some <coughs> some shape or form, or you know something about the ability to be able to sell that at potentially higher than what the properties are going for in that particular location. yeah
1: I was lucky that when I didn't need to do my due diligence, i would already done it. When I'm down yeah. the street, yeah. that, you know, it's okay. The other property was a wee bit better condition externally, but mm-hmm. it was only a three bed, and it needed more work internally. So I yep. knew where I was with it straight away, okay. um, which is important. That goes back to us talking about, you know, focusing in one area, knowing that area inside out. So when a deal like that come up, because if I hadn't moved in that. One of the other investors would have bought it in the Monday morning. Oh, absolutely! I know that, yeah, they contacted me and said, "Did you buy that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no, other than that, <clears throat> um, you know, I, I just, I, I, really just use Right Move. Um, yeah. What I do is I've got two kind of ninety-minute sessions booked in my calendar every week at the same time. Focus for, kind time. So- Sourcing property and that's not going out doing viewings. That's just no. That's just looking through Right Move. What I do is I go and look at Right Move any time on my phone when I'm sitting in front of, you know sitting in front of five at night mm-hmm. and if there's anything that I think looks good I'll save it um, and then I'll go back and have a look at what I've got saved the next day but I've got these two net minute sessions and that's half that time I maybe spend looking at right move for new stuff mm-hmm. half that time I maybe spend doing a bit of research and due diligence on the stuff that have already been out and viewed yeah. um, <clears throat> what else to do I always try and get the home report before I go and view a property I think that's quite important not that I spend a lot of time looking at the home report at that time mm-hmm. at that stage but I always flick to the to the kind of maintenance section yes you know the bit it's that outlines what needs done yeah. and I'll have a look through that the reason I think that's so important is quite often you can go out to a property view and maybe the maybe you've run a wee bit late or maybe the, the viewing agent's running a wee bit late so mm-hmm. you're short of time or maybe you meet somebody there, you know, you quite often meet people that you know so you end up getting a bit of chat going with them yeah. and you run a bit short of time then you are you know, you maybe struggle to, to see everything. But the other thing is there's maybe stuff that isn't visible to the eye that the, the surveyor's picked up on. Higher moisture readings underneath the bath or something like that that you maybe want to have a wee bit more of a look uh-huh, at. Uh-huh. You know, there may be some issues with the roof well let's get back in a wee bit of a yeah. study of the roof so I think yeah. it's important to get the home report before you go Um. <clears throat> so, so, so yeah that, that, that's about it but you know the other thing I do is I, I keep a pipeline of properties so I usually find that after you view the property there's two ways it goes first of all it's a great deal or you, you think you can get it at a price that makes it a deal yes. Um, <clears throat> you go and do some research and you get an offering quickly because you, you don't think it's going to move too quickly uh-huh. Um. <clears throat> That and you maybe get over the line. You maybe don't. The other way it, it can go is you may and you maybe thought of this before you go and view it. So maybe it's on at eighty thousand pound, but you think before you go, ah, so I probably need to get that for seventy thousand to make it a deal. Mm-hmm. Well, I would all go and look at them anyway because you never know what the sellers willing to accept. Yeah, you know the the list price is just the list price at the end of the day. Absolutely. So so what I'll do with those is if I go and view it a going view to try and find a bit more information out you know find out who's the seller why are they selling the property how quickly do they need to sell mm-hmm, the property and, mm-hmm. and what are they looking to achieve yeah. you might come away from that and find out actually they are looking for 85,000 so you think well, there's no point in going and putting no. in an offer at 65 Absolutely. And for 85 so I'll stick it in my pipeline I think a lot of people use kind of Excel for the pipeline I use Trello don't oh, know you yes, use Trello yeah, yeah, the Trello's great because what you can do is you can create individual cards yeah. so I'll create a card for the property and you can then go and dump the home report mm, pictures, pictures all sorts any view notes and stuff into yeah, that that's card an interesting way of and using then it. you can set up different boards so I'll have kind of five or six boards set up I can't remember exactly what but I've got two boards that are really in my pipeline and that's properties that I've viewed made an offer on that the offer's not been accepted so I'll dump them into that board yep. and then the next one is properties that i viewed that haven't put an offer in I just want to keep a watching eye on mm-hmm. so maybe mm-hmm. I think it's I want to get it at 65 the seller's looking for 85 well let's put it on that board and then yes. you watch it and if it sells then that tells you something maybe I've got an unrealistic expectation about uh-huh. the market Yeah. if it doesn't sell a few weeks later maybe you're right about your valuation, mm-hmm. so maybe it's time then to go back in with another offer. Yeah. Maybe the seller's situation's changed. It's come up to Christmas, it's minus eight degrees outside, mm-hmm. the seller doesn't want to be paying for heating, they don't want to risk a damaged pipe or a yeah. bus pipe, yeah. they're needing a bit of money for Christmas presents, so maybe it's a good time then to go back in with, it's, this, it's with a an It's a movable offer. feast,
0: it's always moving, always changing. Yeah. That's interesting what you're saying about the questions that you're asking, I'm a huge Um, cover of saying to to clients who are looking at properties go out to the properties and ask as many questions as possible because the more information that you've got then the better you'll be able to negotiate because ultimately the negotiation is all about information and the more information that you've got the better armed you're going to be to be able to negotiate the price and from a seller's perspective, they're probably going to be pretty naive on the negotiating side of things and won't understand that what they're telling you has got a dramatic impact on what you're going to to, 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 to come up with price-wise. Um, but the more information that you've got, just the smallest piece of information can just unlock the, the door yep. to a great deal for yep. you.
1: No, definitely and, and people will tell you stuff if you ask them uh-huh. in fact they'll tell you more than what you ask them you mm-hmm. know and I was out doing a viewing recently and I always try and build a bit of you know rapport Report. with the, the yeah. viewing agent mm-hmm. you know and some of them will tell you more than others some of them can be a wee bit dry but a lot of them will, will talk to you and they'll tell you stuff mm-hmm. so I'd been doing this flat, i been getting a bit of chat going with the girl and she'd been telling me lots of stuff and then we went outside and I said we're just going to have a look out in the back garden and she came out the, the, the door I can't remember what I said to her but I just made a remark and, and she then opened up again and she started telling me that there was an issue with the gutters <laughs> and you know it wasn't raining that day so it wasn't no, evident no, you she was couldn't telling see me it. that when it rains the gutters uh-huh. leak down I thought that's, that's, that's great uh, yeah thanks for that <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> just
0: <laughs> oh my god So it's, the it's seller pulling <laughs> their hair out thinking you're meant to be working for me but what, one of the tactics that I use is the the power of silence, which I think you, it's easier to use on the phone than it is face-to-face, but it's maybe more um, effective face-to-face that if you can just put a pause in a conversation and just be, because you are doing that, you know why you're making the pause, and there's nothing worse in any conversation where there's a pause, but at least if you know you're in control of that pause, you can then use that so that the person that you're speaking to you can then just wait for them to say something, and there's nothing better than doing that with an estate agent because they love to talk; they hate that silence. Um, and ultimately, if they don't talk, then it becomes a bit embarrassing. But you just hang up with them; and just and nobody loses. Um, but that's something that I use, and you're right; they do. I mean, they do say the most stupid things. And um, when you think, goodness gracious, if the, if your client was hearing you saying that, they'd be just going absolutely mental. It was a great mental. thing.
1: tried a, a couple of times and, you, know, you even when you're doing it, you're, you're itching to say oh, something. Of course you are. You're of course to you are. you yeah. You just got to contain uh-huh. yourself. Uh-huh. And, and, That's right. You know, it's like the standoff. Who's going to talk first? Yeah. And yeah. usually, if you're if you're doing it deliberately, the other person's uh-huh. going to talk. And, and
0: it's, it's like that scene in Reggie Perrin. I mean, you'll be old enough to know Reggie Perrin, where where he goes in to see the boss, and he knocks on the door, and the boss goes one, two, three, knock at the door, four, five, six, make him wait, six, seven. Come <laughs> because <laughs> Reggie Perrin goes in, and he's absolutely in himself because he's been told to wait, yeah. so um that's really, really good, It'd be really good good. um I tell you what um we've now gone, that's just round about the hour so. I think what we'll do is we'll walk you to the exit, but before we walk you to the exit, you'll know having listened, I've got my tenth quick fire question, so listen, yeah. let's be quick and let's be um. Going through these, so first medal, sporting or otherwise, that you won?
1: Um, So I race motocross. Oh, um, right, okay. Yeah, so I race motocross from an early age. In fact, I could ride a motorbike before I could ride a, a cycle bike. Oh um, God, right. So, yeah, I think my first race. In fact, at, at the time I started racing, you couldn't race in Scotland at that age. We used to go down to England to, oh, to race. Okay. Um, so that would have been my first medal, yeah. Wow.
0: You still do that?
1: I, I still do. This is the first, in fact, this is the first year. The, um, I think I started racing when I was when I was five this will be the first year in that time that I've not had the bikes out so I've got two bikes sitting in the garage right. um, just with, with the business and with uh-huh. my family commitments I've not made it out that'll yeah. be the first time mm-hmm. uh, you since a side race that I've not that I've oh, not competed this year yeah. you must get the bikes back out yeah. first house first house was the flat in Denison. Denison still bought okay. it rents right. out okay. great um, cracking location and you
0: bought that at 60 a three bedder
1: I think it was about 60 yeah, yeah. No, it was just under 60 56 what are you getting, or something what are you getting a month for that I'm getting 700 a month for that yeah, that's alright eh?
0: Yeah, that's good what did you get well, back in the day can you remember what were you selling a room for
1: uh, I, probably probably started off around 500 I think yeah yeah. but bear in mind that for a long time I was just renting rooms out to friends Yeah, kept base there yeah, sort of absolutely so it's problem, a tax it probably tax benefit yeah
0: mm-hmm. okay um you married, you were saying, so first dance of the wedding. Can you remember what your first dance of the wedding was?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, go yeah. yeah. what was that? Well, what was it, I can remember it. <laughs> um, I can't remember the song, my wife's going to kill me if she listens to this. <laughs> um, I'm only saving grace, I'm not big into music, so she'll probably forgive me. Uh, let's Caledonia. move on quickly. Caledonia. Caledonia. I've got what it. What was you it? Know. Just
0: saved in save the nick of time. Yes, <laughs> just, just the nick of time. Um, first drink on a Friday?
1: Um Probably, tipple's a bit glass of red wine. Probably okay. on a Friday afternoon after work at a cold pine
0: All right, yeah, nothing, nothing better than that. First blood or Rocky? Do you fancy a bit of Rocky or
1: Ramble? I've watched the Rocky film, so i would say Rocky.
0: Yeah, first film. Can you Remember first film You went to see? No, no. no. Um, first bus or taxi.
1: Well, I was so I was I was brought up in the countryside, side. Okay, so the only freedom you had was to have a car know, as soon as I was 17 it was straight out got a car I remember moving to Glasgow and starting to use use trains and I was a nightmare I made so many mistakes which somebody uses trains all the time you're probably sitting there thinking what did you do so the the mistake I used to make was I didn't realise that two trains came onto the same platform so I would arrive down to the train station, Central Station. I'd see the board, I'd see where I wanted to go, and I'd go and jump in the train. Well, and it fun- was only once we were kind of five miles outside town, I'm looking out the window thinking, I'm in the wrong train here. Yeah, front and <laughs> rear carriage. Yeah, front, yeah. Uh-huh, no. Those two the part trains, front, two, kind of one one after each other. Right, but right. The first train would leave first, uh-huh, uh-huh. the second train would then leave after that so it's right. quite often the two, one, one, place, one two. would go one place one trip would go to another yeah. place and it was a um,
0: hitting a bus, whether well I was in the right one listen, <laughs> uh, listen I've fallen victim of that and I've only done that that was last year I fell victim of that so don't feel too bad so you mentioned about your car first car was a
1: a Mini a Mini Austin Mini ok registration
0: yeah. number it
1: started with a JJ105ES
0: ok Um, stereo yeah I
1: just it anyway, had a stereo yeah we, some big, we used to cut out the partial shelf, the back partial shelf, and put six by nines. And everything. the subwoofer about six by nines. You know, big, big I don't
0: know back. what you're talking about. Some <laughs> by nines, what? <laughs> <laughs> there's speakers, then, are they? Right, right you, yeah. right, gotcha, you. Gotcha. Um, and then the final one is First Amongst Equals. That's all about books. What are you reading at the moment?
1: I'm reading them. One is like Zig books. Yes, selling. I can't remember what it's actually titled. The art of selling, or something is. Right, it's good. It's quite a big one. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm struggling with it a wee bit. Um, but but no, it's good. It's
0: That's good. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And anything I can help you with? What are you working on at the moment?
1: Um, what I'm working on just now. So we're just finishing off a a, a development down in in um, Craigton area. Okay. Um, just finishing that off and really kind of winding down for Christmas but gearing up for next year yeah. so I would love to see your vision board I can see the value soon, soon in that. it I'm just not sure I've hit the nail on the head yet okay. so we look at that would be good.
0: good Good. Well listen thanks so much for coming in, it's been great um, have a great Christmas and listen we'll have to get you on and just see at the end of next year as to whether or not you've managed to get your, your 12 flips Yep. listen if you're as goal oriented as you say you are, you shouldn't have any problem yeah. at all, smashed. Thanks, thanks very much, much. You know, of all the interviews I've done that's probably been the one of the ones that I really have enjoyed the most we really dived deep and I really enjoyed that conversation that we had with him in connection with the goal setting it really just brought home how important it is to get that goal setting right and also the most important thing as far as goal setting is concerned is that review you have to do that review because there is no point There is no point in doing goal setting unless you're going to review that, and you have to do that. You have to do that every weekend, and that's where he just knocks it out the park. We've got another interview in the can next week, so do join us on the show. I'm going to. uh get out of here I've got to go off to the BNI I've got a BNI party night I'm not drinking not after last night's fiasco so I'm not on the bevy tonight I've got some taxi driving duties to do I've got to go all the way out to Kilmacomb to pick up number one she's off a Achille at the school and then there's some after party so the keely at the school's in Glasgow and they're shipping them all out well I'm driving her out to Kilmacomb and then she wants picked up at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the morning? I don't know why we've agreed to that but hey-ho, that's what we've done. Um, So it's going to be a long, long night. i tell you what you can do. You can give us a review. Why don't you give us a review on iTunes? Give us a rating there because if you can give us a rating there on iTunes or on Stitcher or on SoundCloud then that sort of drags us up and gives us more traction. And that's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to get the word out there. And the more that you can like and share, then that would be absolutely great. The other thing that you can do is that when you see this on the social media, then can you like it? Can you share it? You know, it's only a click, but you'll be amazed as to what that will do to allow the traction to build up on the podcast so if you could just take 2 minutes just to do that then you know what that would be your christmas present to me that i would be mightily pleased if you could do that as i say we're going to be back again next week i'm going to knock out here off to the bni we're going to the corinthian goodness knows what that's going to be like off to see the bni chums listen brickies You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. It is your property podcast and it's always trying to take a sideways look at property. We'll catch up with you next week.